All right, so we've got a bunch of good questions. Probably won't be able to get through all of them. I'll just say that now, but we'll do our best. And if you guys have follow-up questions, um, just raise your hand. And uh, thank you. That's our lead deacon. He keeps order. <laughs> all right, so I'm going to just read the question and then... Uh, Whatever panel member, you, you don't have to answer it. It's not something everyone has to answer, but if you feel like the Lord has something for you to share, you can uh, ask for the mic. We have a mic down there, and I have a mic here. We can pass to you. Um, and if you guys have any follow-up questions or any clarifications you want, just raise your hand, and we'll kind of hang on the question until it feels like it's gotten answered to um, sufficient for you guys. So... Um, All right, this question says, I think my spouse is trying to show me love, but it's not the way I feel loved or receive love. How do I tell them or figure out how to love me the way I need? Now, this is something definitely I can relate to because I remember during pre-marriage counseling, one of the books that our pastor had us read was called The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. And it was just this book that really opened my eyes to the fact that my wife and I express love very differently, uh, partly because of the, just the way we grew up in the households we grew up in and how love was expressed. And so what it made me realize is, wow, the way I'm thinking I'm showing love is not the way that she interprets love. So I have to try really hard to do the things that are unnatural to me that make her feel loved. And then also, I have to show grace in understanding that the way she shows love is not the way I receive love. But she's not trying to do that. That's just what she's been kind of brought up in. So um, anyways, this is a very real thing. So I'm going to let them on the panel. Maybe you guys have experienced this in your guys' marriages and, you know, sharing just what has helped with that. So... Would you just reread yeah. the question, yeah. please? It says, I think Pastor my spouse Chris. is trying to show me love, but it's not the way I feel loved re or receive love. How do I tell them and figure out how to, love, how, to, how to help them love me the way I need? Um, okay, since I have this mic, I'm going to talk. <laughs> <laughs> this is a suggestion, um, but uh, I think one way seems to be a breakdown of communication, right? We know we're different. We know we have different needs. But um, one way that you can, um, I, I think, sort of grease the skids, so to speak, is um, you, you can tell your, your spouse um, when they do something well, you know, instead of focusing on the negative, look for things that, um, that they are doing that make you feel loved. And, and that's an encouragement, right? That's, that's a good place to start. And then for the things that they aren't doing, I think um, you can encourage them also. This is sort of an indirect way of also encouraging communication, um, but going to them and saying, you know, I love you. I want to be a good husband or wife. It does, I don't know which direction this is coming from. Um, but um, how can, what can I do? to make you feel more loved? How can I live with you if your husband in a more understanding way? How can I, how can I bless you? And, and, you know, if you're the wife, same, same thing. And then, you know, that may open a door to, 
a conversation where you have an opportunity to say, hey, you know, it would really bless me if you would do this, right? So it, it's, it's starting that conversation in a way that's encouraging, right? Um, and in a way that, that allows the door to be opened so you could express what your needs are in a non-threatening way, right? In a way that's not creating division, but unity instead. So that's, that's my two cents. Anybody else? Um, oh, um, I was just going to say that people are not mind readers. <laughs> um, and I would say that that is definitely true, particularly of men. Ladies, your husband's not a mind reader. They are not. They don't pick up on the little cues. Like, they're, they're not going to understand your expressions. Like, no, that's not a thing. <laughs> they don't think like women. Praise Jesus. Because we don't... I don't want to be married to a woman. I don't need a woman. I need my man, and he's a man, and he thinks like a man, and that's okay. But it's an adjustment to realize that they think differently. So I have learned over time that if I need something from him, I just need to tell him or ask him, hey, honey, can you do this and be specific? My husband is not a jerk. He's wonderful and amazing, but he is not a mind reader. And he is not going to pick up on the fact that I am like frazzled or whatever it is that's going on until I've reached the point of no return. <laughs> so um, over time, I've learned to be just direct and express, hey, could you do this for me, or this would really bless me? And because he's wonderful, he does those things. <laughs> I can sometimes be pretty clueless, but because I'm a man. <clears throat> but and Kim, I so I so appreciate you sharing that because I think most of us guys would say, honey, I love you. Just please spell it out, okay? Isn't that the way we'd want it? Tell me so I know what to do. But women do appreciate it if we pick up on things without being told. Am I right, ladies? Then you think we're being sensitive. And, and we all, you know, I, I'm still working on that. Now, Margie didn't make a big deal about it, but I did find out that when I put the dishes away from the clean dishwasher, she made a point to tell me that she appreciated it. So, ah, I'm a genius. I figured, oh, she, <laughs> she, she likes thoughtful deeds. You know, that's one of the most important things for her, and quality time's another one. But, but, but she gave me some signals without saying, would you please clean out the dishwasher? I got the signal that, oh, if I just do this little thing in the morning, uh, she really likes that. So it, I did connect the dots that time. So guys, as much as possible, try to pick up on some signals or hints, but ladies, be patient and kind with us, and if we do ask you, please tell us and don't feel like you've lost what you really wanted. It's not an ideal world. We're all under construction. Wayne, I gotta ask you, <laughs> and I'm sure you two worked about, were okay with this when she shared the illustration about the dishwasher, yeah, but... But, but, but since you continue to, to, uh, to go where some people would say, angel spirit of tread, I gotta ask you this question. Is she free to go into the garage and tell you how to rearrange? <laughs> and Chris, I gotta apologize for my son. We tried to raise him right, but I saw him wearing this shirt this morning, and I just, I realized we failed.
Yeah, I'm not a great mechanic either. So, but I can do a lot more than um, she thinks. So I, I just, and I try to tell her I have these multi-talent things that I could do, and she doubts it, but then once I get it done, and she believes. So, and I do have to step in and take over quite a few of the things that need doing. Amen? When you said, would, he, would you mind if she messed with your tools? I thought, Wayne doesn't have tools. <laughs> yeah, and that's an absolute lie. It's, I've got two really good sets of tools. And I do use them and get things done. I mean, she asked me to do things here and there, and I get it done. And I can do more than that. But she, she knows a lot of people at the church, and they, you know, they can um, do it better than I can. But I tell them, hey, don't even bother to come over. I'm going to take care of it. Don't worry about it. I can tell that Wayne is a mind reader. <laughs> because, but, um, yeah, no, um, that, that's all. I just, we're for just now. Having, we're just having fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> As I always tell Wayne, his hands were made for gesturing. I would just add, and it kind of started out w regarding the question, and I, I think the communi communication is obviously a big thing in marriage. It's something that, you know, uh, my wife and I have been married for, what, 20, 23 years now. And uh, um, well, you'll find out. As you get older, you just forget things. Uh, but we've been married for 23 years now, and I feel communication is still very much something that you don't ever learn it cause, because we communicate differently you have to be intentional. And so for me, whereas my, the way I naturally show love is like acts of service, that's not the way she receives it. It's quality time and that really isn't going to change. So for me to show her that I love her, I have to actually do something that is against my very nature and that is sit her there and give her my full attention. Now I, ca I can think that I'm doing that as I'm doing the dishes or I'm doing some chore and she's talking to me and she's like, what I just say? And I can repeat it word for word because I'm listening. But that's not what she deems as me giving her my attention. So I have to be intentional to just sit there and give her my full undivided attention and give her that time that she's looking for. And I can't do that unless I'm aware of it. And, and so, and it's the same with her because like my love language is words of affirmation. I grew up in a very affirming home and she grew up in a home where that just didn't happen. So she has to go against her nature to say things that she just assumes I already know um, because I, that's how I feel loved. And so it's knowing your spouse and, and recognizing those things. And sometimes it's through, like John said, it's just like picking up on the hints like, oh, that really blessed my wife. I should actually pay attention and do that more often. And sometimes it's just through telling each other and being honest and, and then listening and, and being intentional to do something that you're not going to do naturally. So because you love them and you want to 
as Wayne shared last night, you know, try to outserve each other or submit to one another because of your love for them. Amen. All right. Um, this is kind of a general question, but it's what is your biggest marriage regret or maybe failure, like something that you wish you could have done differently? How do you wish you would have handled it differently? got a lot of years of marriage here, so there's a lot of life lessons, I'm sure. This is going to be confession time. Okay. I, I, to this day, I rue the memory of our early parenting years. We went to Huntington Beach, remember? And you had, you had Mike, <laughs> she remembers, and Michael was about yay high, and, and I rented a surfboard. I wanted to learn to surf. Never successfully, except one time in my entire some years. But I was consumed with wanting to get out there in those waves. And they were pretty good, you know, not big waves, but the good rhythm where you could learn to surf. All caught up with that. So I very thoughtfully, in quotes, left my wife to sit on a blanket taking care of Michael while I went out and had fun with the surfboard, making a fool of myself. So she's left there by herself, babysitting Michael, and I'm just completely oblivious to the fact that I'm supposed to be a family man and not just some kid that wants to be on a surfboard. Guys, sometimes we need to grow up, don't we? We want to continue to be boys and do all the boy stuff, and we'll do that sometimes at the expense of our, of our parents. Now, I, I've gone to preaching, forgive me. <laughs> Tired pastor has that danger. But, but I, I, to this day, I just think, how could I have been so unintentionally insensitive to the fact that we were here together at the beach and I'm just doing my thing. Now, that was just, an, just one that sticks out. I'm sure I've screwed up on some other occasions too, but that's one I wish I could go back and fix because I was just being so clueless, unintentionally, but very insensitive. And she was a good sport. She didn't, uh, she didn't go into a pout and yell at me or anything like that, but she did gently remind, remind me later, and I think you did it good-naturedly about the fact that it wasn't exactly a really fun day for me at the beach. <laughs> I think you're out on a limb. Well, I hope, oh hopefully God. she doesn't show it off. No, uh, I, I, a lot of memories like that come to my uh, attention, and uh, uh, if I could do some things over again, I certainly would do them different. But um, I think um, we could all say that about like being, most of us probably in our teenage years, and we do things different than we would if, <laughs> if we <laughs> knew what we know now. <coughs> but uh, would you, I'll just uh, tell one story, because there's lots of them. But uh, in 1990, um, we set out on a uh, adventure we had planned to go to a homeschool conference in uh, Knoxville, Tennessee with another mom and her two teenage kids. Rebellious, I may add. <laughs> um, anyway, um, we left with a, um, a three-day-year-old baby. Lana was three days old, I think, when we left on this trip. And... Uh, it was not fun for Sherry at all. And, uh, and we were pulling a travel trailer, and um, I did all the driving. Um, and uh, it was uh, 
but we were just determined, you know. We were pioneers. But uh, anyway, um, I, I regret that. That was not uh, putting my family first, putting Sherry first. And uh, besides that, we had uh, five other kids and uh, of various ages. So um, anyway, um, I can think of other things of doing my own thing. And I will tell one other story uh, because it had consequences. Um, I, was, I loved to play basketball. And I was uh, playing with a, a, a team made up uh, locally. And, but we were lit playing uh, Longview um, City League. And uh, I, anyway, um, to make this short, I ended up um, with a broken foot and I lost my wallet. And um, I got a ticket <laughs> all on the same night, yeah. And I left, uh, I left Sherry with, uh, Bradley was about, uh, probably about, two, maybe one and a half, two, I don't remember now, but uh, uh, it, it did not have good consequences. And um, I, I, felt the, um, I felt the pain for that for a long time. And uh, well, not only that, but you know, wearing a cast on my foot for 10 weeks. But um, so um, that's some of my hall of shame. I, I've got pl <laughs> plenty of more stories I could say, but uh, Putting family and wives, children first, um, and then um, also just uh, a matter of pride taking over my life and, and that bringing out anger towards my kids um, was completely wrong. And um, so I, I've asked for forgiveness, but uh, I'm sitting here in a cold sweat, you know, thinking <laughs> about it. So. Yeah. Okay, I'm next, I guess. So, I, at first, I'm thinking, um, is this a confession center up here or what? <laughs> you know, because we're all, we're confessing, all confessing our sins. Our sins. Yes. So, um, what came to my mind is some financial decisions that we both have made, and looking back on those and thinking, boy, that was stupid, and. Another thing that I have uh, kind of wondered about, too, is um, in the financial field is when we first got married, Dave had no job. And I'm thinking, where were my mom and dad? And also, where was his mom and dad? We had this little two-room uh, place that we lived in. It was a little house. It had a bathroom, which had just part of the facilities, and um, that was okay, but he had no job, and I later think that was really crazy that our parents never said a word, but it ended up to be um, not so bad, right? <laughs> you guys have something to say? You got something, honey? I'm thinking still. Oh. <laughs> you got something to share? I got something that I'll share. Um, as many of you guys know, there's there's a bit of an age gap between our second youngest and our youngest. Um, we I remember thinking, you know, our kids are going to be out of the house at a decent age. We're going to still be young enough to like just have fun and 
And then, and then the Lord gave us another baby in our 40s. <laughs> There's a club here of people that have babies in their 40s. <laughs> but what I've kind of learned just this time around, because it seemed like the toddler stage, the baby stage was over for us, is that um, I was so stressed the first time around, and, and that wasn't because of having babies and kids. It was just self-inflicted stress and, and busying myself with a whole bunch of stuff that I felt like I had to do that I wasn't getting done and, and letting that turn into stress and anger and frustration and shortness that made me not really enjoy that season of life the way God intended me to enjoy it and have it pass by before you know it so that this time around, I just realized that all those other things, they'll get done if they need to get done, and I don't need to worry about that. And if I find myself just enjoying, you know, the, the toddler stage, the, just Zeke, our youngest, so much more knowing that, I mean, my oldest is like 17, and he's almost, you know, he's going to be gone in a few years probably and starting his own life and stuff. And so... I would just encourage you guys in that, especially you that, that have younger kids that are just starting that phase of your life. It'll go by way faster than you think, and even though it's it's such a shock to be responsible for someone and take care of them 24-7, it's really meant to be a blessing, just like the word says it is. Children are a blessing. And if it doesn't feel that way, similar to what was being talked about last night, it's not your kid's fault. It's not your circumstances. It's It's just the way that you're looking at things incorrectly. So. Next question. Let's see. Um, I observe uh, a fair amount of more seasoned married couples, aka older in age, that are or seem to be on edge with, with each other constantly or not enjoying their marriage. How would you encourage us to avoid getting there? in our marriage and enjoy each other as we grow older. I'm good at that. Because <clears throat> as I get older, I, I'm more irritable. And um, I'm trying to discern what the root of it is. And I think I'm 63. And I think as you get older, and, and I remember Wayne's mom telling me this when she was about my age, that you've seen a lot of life, and you've seen a lot of suffering, and you, when you become a little old lady, <laughs> you feel weak and um, powerless, and you're, n you're no longer idealistic anymore, and because of that, I find myself more prone to fear. And fear than um, that, you know, just having that on edge fearfulness makes me um, worry. <laughs> you know, um, I have way more fears now than I did when I was in my 40s or my 20s. I mean, and I've battled a lot of things in my life. But, um, beat back cancer three different times, buried my twin brother, my parents, his mom, his brother. And I think that 
because of becoming more fearful, I've had to really ramp up my um, prayers to have the Lord help me with my fears. Um, so I'm not so reactionary. And what I mean by that is um, it, most of my irritation comes out when Wayne's driving. And, um, <laughs> and last yesterday was a rough drive. And, um, you know, it was during that windstorm and the rainstorm. And we took, we, we went, I don't know why we took this route, but um, we went through Montesano and Raymond and along the coast. So we were driving with the logging trucks and the semis. And Wayne, for some reason, just loves that center line. And whenever the tires going over the bumps or the humming noise starts, I'm thinking, he's getting way too close to the line. He's on the line. He's drifting. And then, you know, it's unfamiliar territory, so then a logging truck comes barreling around the corner, and he's got to get over in the lane, you know, to let the truck go by. And I was thinking to myself, why am I so irritable? <laughs> and I was like, if I hear that tire hum one more time, <laughs> that's it. I'm done. Stop it. You know, I mean, I must have said that 10 times, at least, tw maybe 12. And, um, <laughs> but I felt like saying you it. Actually got, you got better. Yeah, I felt like saying it 20 times. And so I, I did hold back. And um, so I was thinking, why am I so reactionary? I was seriously on edge. My, my nerves were so high strung that I could have played a violin on them. I mean, it was so intense, that drive yesterday. And, you know, truly, it was just fear. I just imagined myself with 100 broken bones in an Aberdeen hospital. <laughs> and that's depressing in and of itself, right? And, but my mind was just going there. And, um, and I'm, it's, it's just a new battle. As I get older, I have, to, I have to have new battles. You know, when you're young, you guys just, you're more carefree. You're just hopeful. And you're excited about life. But when you're an old lady, you just become petrified. It's the weirdest thing. So it's just a new battle I have to overcome. And she did really good yesterday compared to other days. <laughs> and she, honestly, she, you didn't voice a lot of fear. So, um, but there were a couple times. And I think the backdrop is I'm a professional CDL, you know, licensed driver. I know how to drive very well. Big, huge, you know, uh, anything actually. And so it w it's not that I'm overly confident. For one thing, just one little thing <laughs> in, the, in the center line. Okay, no, this is true, isn't it, guys? The center line on the left side, you can see everything. So you you could be really close. Now, I try not to do that, but sometimes it'll get a little close just because no one's coming and all that. And it's a country road. Come on. You know, it's a country road. But anyway, I wanted to verify 
and extol her that she's really grown in that area. But she's right. I'm 10 years older than she is, and I'm, I have a lot of fears, newer kinds of fears that have come. And it's so exciting. I want to encourage you, old or young, that the Lord can take care of those fears because his perfect love, the one who fears, is not perfected in love because fear has torment. And it really torments you and then can torment others, too. That didn't happen yesterday. She did, she did really good. So, yeah. On his epitaph, on his tombstone, he's going to have the phrase, he was a good driver. <laughs> See, and I was so nice, too. I, <laughs> I mean, I extol. I would, I would try to answer that with two aspects. Uh, and let me just preface it with an anecdotal story. One woman was so upset after years of marriage, she just focused on the negative, the things that irritated her to death. She went to her, her pastor and just dumped on him all the things that were wrong with her husband. And he was trying to find some common ground. He said, can you think of anything that you and your husband have in common? And she sat there for a minute with folded arms and glaring. Yes, we were both married on the same day. <laughs> you, you don't want it to get that bad. So I would say one of the things to help prevent that is <clears throat> don't forget what drew you to your spouse in the first place. I'd like to think some of those qualities are still there. Now, some of them can get boxed and put on the shelf because guys, for example, can be on their best behavior when they're courting and then forget that they can be fun-loving still, even when they've got a job and they've got kids and you've got to balance the, the paychecks and all that. But hopefully it's not all gone. And, and you can fan the flames, not you as wife necessarily, uh, by continuing to find ways to do things together after the kids are gone. One couple, when they were standing at the door. Yes, yes, sir. How's that? It's hard to please everybody. <laughs> <coughs> Thank you. That's, that's needed. Uh, finding ways to continue to do things. One couple went to the uh, exit of the church as their last child was going off on their honeymoon, and she turned to her husband and she said, Honey, you're all I've got left. He turned to her and put his arms around her and he said, Honey, I'm all you had to start with. <laughs> So go back to sometimes rebuilding those connecting things that maybe you did for fun before the kids got into the picture or finding new ones. Uh, Margie thought she would like to try pickleball. And, you know, that's gotten to be the new rage. Now, I, I'm a tennis player. I'm not much of a, not playing much right now, but that, that's my sport. I'm thinking, pickleball? And then she said, if, you go, if we go over to Camp Rylea at the gym, there's an older lady there who will help people learn the game. And I'm thinking, fine. I pride myself in being a pretty good tennis player. Now I'm going to go to some gym and learn from an older lady in her 80s how to play pickleball. <laughs> That's going to be a little bit too much for my male ego. <laughs> but, and I'm not, well, we found that out. We, we did, yeah. So I thought, okay, this is important to Margie. And Margie would be the first person to say, I'm not an athletic person. Uh, she's a great gal, my best friend. <laughs> and been my life partner, ministry partner now for, as you know, over 50 years. And we're, I'm grateful for her. She's the second best decision I tell people I ever made. You know what the first one is. But I thought, okay, 
I guess I should just put my male pride aside and let's go over and give it a try. It turned out to be fine. And we both started doing this. We started having fun with it. And hopefully, what, you think we'll go back to it? I'm not sure. We took a break because I've got carpal tunnel that I'll be mending from for a little while, uh, the surgery. Uh, but we did that, and then one, one year we did the Columbia River crossing together. In fact, it was the year I turned 70. It was 20, yeah. And so we, we, we climbed the hills of Astoria, which, of course, there are plenty of, to, to get ready to see, can we do the bridge climb from the Washington side? You know, it's quite a grade. And we found out that we could do this within the two-hour period. We wouldn't humiliate ourselves. So we started out at, you know, at uh, Dismal Ditch Wayside, and then we went with everybody else. Got to the other side. We both did it, and oh, my limbs were crying. And I said, are you okay? She smiled smugly and said, I took my Advil before the trip started. <laughs> <laughs> And we got there in time to be able to make it to church, Chris. But she said, one of the reasons I went along is, you know, you're 70 now, and I wanted to make sure if you had a heart attack, I was going to be there with you. <laughs> <laughs> so find, rekindle things that you can do together or find new things that you can do together and bond over that. Um, yeah, the fear thing, I, I never really thought about that, but uh, I think... Um, looking forward to this panel thing was one of my fears, but uh, I um, was thinking about uh, how we tend to think single people get set in their ways, and uh, but married people can get really set in their ways too, and um, the thought that came to me about that was um, that I must decrease so that he can increase and uh, and we are not our we, we don't own ourselves we're bought with a price and so the the little irritations and uh, I know that uh, we've made some of our kids uncomfortable when we've had these little arguments in front of them it's like <laughs> okay <laughs> but uh, so um, anyway, if we give up ourselves, I think the answer is there uh, to uh, uh, not having uh, those kinds of irritating uh, situations. Well, I'm not old, so I'm not going to answer that. <laughs> 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 Just I, kidding. I, Sorry, guys. <laughs> I got one for you, Marcus. <laughs> what do you do when it's been a hot minute since you've had sex, but you have multiple children to interrupt, and you're tired, angry, and have a headache? <laughs> okay, so you have children. I get that part, and it's it's been a while. You just got to be strategic, man. You just got to tell your wife that you miss her and then, you know, and then there's going to, you know, there's, there's going to be an opportunity sometime. <laughs> you know, if you have a headache, well, you could take some ibuprofen, you know? I mean, it's, yeah, whatever your thing is, pepper and oil, whatever. I, I think it's, it's not that difficult, you know? Where, where there's a will, there's a way. You just need to, all right. 
my goodness, because let's face it, it's always the woman, you know, especially in the childbearing years, you get to this, like, the, the, you go through these seasons where you're like, I am not a woman, I am only a caregiver, <laughs> and, or a giver of milk, especially during the times when you're breastfeeding, you're like, <laughs> sex, <laughs> that's funny. Um, I, um, this has worked for me every single time where I can see that my husband is like, okay, it, you know, he'll say, you know, like, indicate that it is, is time. Yeah. <laughs> I will actually just say a prayer that the Lord would give us that time and give me the grace to have the energy and be in that moment with him. Because most of, for most people, the, the need for sex is greater in the guy department than for the female department, in the female department. But I also have found that I need to be reminded that I am a woman who is desired and that when I make that decision to prioritize that time with my husband, I am so blessed. So prayer is huge. Like I will, I will actually like, you know, be in the shower or doing something. I'll be like, Lord, I pray that we would have a really good time tonight and that you would make a way for that to happen. You know, like that the kids would sleep and that, you know, that there the stars would align or, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, and that, and the Lord has been faithful every time that I, to honor that prayer and to, to work that out. And sometimes it is, a sacrifice, ladies, that you have to put aside. You're tired. Oh, well. <laughs> and But because it's important to make that reconnection moment with your spouse. And sometimes it's important for the husband to be like, I'm going to dwell with you in an understanding way, and I can see that you've had a day. So I'm just going to snuggle you instead. That's what it means to love somebody is to you know, look out for the needs of that other person. So, but prayer, it works every time. One thing I always want to point out is it says in 1 Corinthians 7, it gives us kind of some guide, a guideline for sex within marriage. And it says in verse 5, do not deprive one another when talking about sex, except perhaps by agreement for a limited time that you may devote yourselves to prayer but then come together again so that, there's a reason for this, Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So somehow, if, if that is not happening in your marriage, it opens up a chink in your armor, if you will, for the enemy to, you know, to ha come against you with some sort of temptation. And, um, you know, one thing I would say is, I, you know, I, I think we would all agree, it, it doesn't take a lot of motivation on a man's part to have sex, but... For women, you know, they, they do have to feel desired. There, there is that um, wooing, if you will, in, in, in getting your wife in the mood um, because she might be tired or she might have a headache. Or, and, and that takes effort on our part as men, and it takes intentionality. And sometimes, you know, I, I, I see this far more often than I would like. We, we get so invested in life. We get so invested in our kids and our jobs and everything else that we forget to be a husband and wife. And the problem with that is that that was a lifelong commitment, as we talked about last night, that the commitment, because here's the reality, even everything else, is, it's going to end at some point, or it's going to be different, and, and that includes your kids. They're going to grow up, and they're going to leave, but your relationship is to stay the same, or get better as you get older. That's God's intent for it. And so, 
and, and what I often I've seen in my life is the fact that when, when my relationship with my wife is as God intends it, when it's healthy, that's the best thing I could ever bless my kids with because it produces security in their lives. They see that mom and dad love them and are de devoted to each other, then there's security for them. So um, it's absolutely something that we have to be intentional to invest in, whatever it takes, whether that means getting away together for a night away at a marriage retreat or going out on a date once a week or you know, just putting the kids to bed and locking the door and we're going to hang out for a couple hours and we're going to talk, we're going to pray, we're going to watch a show or, you know, whatever, you know, like whatever fits you guys as a couple, but that needs to be a priority. I mean, it's an important subject because of what you, you quoted from First uh, Corinthians. Uh, Guys, make it as conducive as possible when your wife is, you know, more emotionally distraught about other things in her life or where she is and her moods and stuff. Trail of rose petals and 70% dark chocolate leading to the bedroom, whatever it takes, you know. I mean, set it up a little bit. <laughs> but, but don't, what's that? Okay, thank you. But, but hopefully on the late, I, I put this more on the ladies' side because I know it's not as easy for you, as Chris pointed out, as it is for us guys to be ready for that moment. Uh, one story, we had a bunch of guys in a group, not me, but asking, okay, guys, how often do you have sex with your wife? And some guys would say, oh, a couple of times a week. It's great. Somebody else said, well, we, you know, a couple of times a month. There was one fellow at the back of the room, and he was just as happy as could be. He said, well, he said, we do it once a year. And the counselor said, once a year? And, and you look really happy about this. He said, yeah, tonight's the night. A follow-up question or something to do with that as well. It says, when trying to spice things up in the bedroom, where what are healthy sources for ideas, or this would be in opposition to unhealthy ones like porn or weird websites, stuff like that. Anyone want to tackle that? Okay. 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 I'll just say something here. <laughs> I'll just, just, I don't know, this might sound like a milk toast answer, but it's okay to just talk. You know, just say, honey, you know, what can I, is there anything else I can do to make you, you know, is there, any, you know, how do I, how do I love you? How do I please you in this way? That's a unique ministry. Sex is a unique ministry between a husband and a wife, right? And, and we're to fulfill as much as we can. And Kathy reminded us our ultimate fulfillment's in Christ. But if, if our partner has needs, what can I do? You know, is there anything else I can do for you? And, you know, and just be gentle when you answer, of course. But, um, but I think that, that goes a long way, you know? And a, a lot of times the answer is, you know, I, I don't think anything else needs to, I think we're doing, we're doing well. I'm, or if something comes up, then you have to be prepared to be a little bit humble. Maybe I do need to slow down a little bit or whatever the, whatever the thing may be. I think just having that openness and that communication is, mm -hmm. is huge. Um, and, uh, you know, if I, I think also respecting the other person's limits, I mean, that hopefully has been in place since before you're married, but there's certain things that your spouse might not be comfortable doing, and that's okay. You know, you just have to be able to say, I love you, and, that, and, and, I, and I respect you, and so, yeah, w we won't do that. And 
And I think that's that's a way of showing and love and too. One of the you things know? you see, like especially in Song of Solomon, it's it's something that's to be enjoyed within the framework of marriage. So if it's not enjoyable to one or the other spouses, then it's something that you shouldn't be doing. I mean, that's really simple. It's not about just you. It's about you guys together. So that's kind of a guideline. Yeah, I always ask myself, how can I keep her coming back? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I've heard um, men and women described in this way, and maybe it's overly simplistic, but men are like microwaves and women are like slow cookers. And I, I think that that's true. And so I guess my word of advice, if I have advice, but um, husbands, get to know your wife and what she likes. You're going to know when she responds affirmatively. Like, wives communicate, remember, your husbands are not mind readers. That is important to you. But husbands, pay attention. Are you going into the bedroom and that time together looking for ways to set the stage like what John was talking about? Are you looking for it to be, I mean, obviously there's moments where it's like, okay, we're, <laughs> I mean, this is reality, okay? You know, small children, but, <laughs> but are you making a point to have that, that time be quality time, you know, where you're, where you're taking the time to, to take your time, you know, to have that be a process where you're really looking to pleasure your wife in a way that she is really blessed in. So pick up on those cues, ask the questions, you know, but it, it takes time over, it takes time to get to know what, what each other likes. And um, I would say stay away from worldly sources. The world has nothing to offer. The enemy wants to take what God has given as a blessing and to pervert it and to turn it into something that is not meant to be. So don't go to Cosmo. Obviously, don't, you know, like, what is that, the Karma Sutra or something like that? Don't go, don't go there. Like, those are not places for us. Read the Song of Solomon. Like, spend the time together just talking with each other laughing with each other and enjoying each other and you're going to have a really good sex life and it's going to be you know like and that's something that like I said before pray about it husbands if you're like my wife is not interested a lot pray if um, you're a woman who's like I am just not in the mood pray that the Lord would you know or that you want to see a change there pray the Lord wants that part of your marriage to be awesome he wants it to be blessed. He wants it to be epic between you and your husband in a way that is just mind-blowing. That's what he wants. So ask him for it. That's what he wants to do. So there you go. Applause. <laughs> <laughs> Probably for now. <laughs> Next question is uh, top three tips for raising awesome kids. So may maybe each couple can just share like one thing they've learned that was very helpful in raising their kids? Here's where prayer is especially important, that even before they're born, that you are praying you know, for God's hand on them and um, to know how to love them and 
train them and, and cherish whom God's given you. And um, the prayer thing is you're really going to have to depend on God or you'll be tempted to do things you shouldn't. <laughs> like beat the ever-loving you-know-what out of them. But seriously, so much patience is required. Um, having a, an attitude of love. Um, you know, pastor's kids oftentimes are are sort of um, viewed as yikes. They're, a lot of them are really wild and they, you know, they rebel. Um, and the truth is they're, they're normal kids and they will rebel. And, and whatever the culture is, is putting forward as cool or as this or that, they're, you know, they'll be tempted. And so, um, our kids were like that and, and prayer was the thing that helped us to stay very encouraging and loving, never condoning what's wrong and sinful and you know is going to hurt them. But at the same time, don't hate on them because they screwed up so bad, you know. Um, for example, our daughter, she, she's asked me, she said, you can tell the, my story, you know, anytime. So... Otherwise, I wouldn't do this. But um, she was, she's a very high-level <laughs> basketball player. She played for Oregon, of all places, you know. But anyway, um, and that was hard for me, believe me. But, um, <laughs> and then she transferred to SPU. But anyway, they went to the national championship a couple times. So she's a star player. But in high-level sports, there's a lot of sin. And in women's sports, high-level basketball and softball and stuff like that. There's a lot of lesbianism. And um, she was brought into Oregon. I mean, a lot of the, you know, some of the star players were drawn to her. Um, she, she's, you know, she gave her, you know, she got involved in that. <laughs> and um, her and I have been close her whole life. And I was so upset when one of her friends told us about this in the very early stages. And I was tempted to just really get angry. And, and the Lord spoke to me and said, don't push her into the arms of the devil. You know, try to understand her, hear what she has to say. She wants to tell me. So what we would do is we would get together once or twice a week, especially after she left Oregon, then I could be with her a lot more often. But we would come to all of her games. Anyway, we would get together and talk, and she was honest with me and told me, this is what I'm doing. And by the end of the conversation, not because of me, and I didn't preach at her or harp on her too much, I said, hon, the Lord has better things for you. And, you know, I love you. We love you. And she would tell me the difficulty she was struggling with. And by the end, she was just crying, you know, every time and wanting to pray with me that the Lord would help her. Now, that that says, and I, I'm sorry I'm taking so much time, but what it does is as much experience they can have with interacting with God 
even to a point of receiving Christ like umpteen times if they need to as a little kid. When the more they experience God later in their life, they're going to remember that they experienced God. And they're going to go back to it. And so she knew. I, I asked her point blank, are you, or do you think you're a lesbian or what? You know, what's going on? She says, no, I'm just, I'm just experimenting, you know, and like the rest of kids our age and such. And I said, well, hon, you also know what's, what God has and what is best. Anyway, at the very end, just to skip the rest of it, she said, she said, Dad, what I've learned in, in all of this and in our conversations and such like that is I've learned that the more I go towards that kind of lifestyle, the more I push Jesus out of my life. And I, I can't live without Jesus. And so um, <clears throat> a counselor that um, she knows, one of our friends, um, helped her about building boundaries for her life. And um, she said, I'll never push Jesus out of my life again. I know it's wrong. And so she just gave herself back over to Christ. And um, it's, it's, it's been unbelievably awesome. I mean, um, she... I introduced her to one of our students who was at our Bible college, and he's just a, a real uh, hunk of a man, you know. And he also was an amazing athlete, hockey player. And anyway, they they did over time come together and become friends, and and um, started making music. They both do rap and hip hop, and so they, um, you know, did that. Now they have three kids and. They're just unbelievable. She's on staff full-time at a church. All our kids, this just blows our mind. We never pushed this. We did take them on missionary trips, had them get involved in our family ministry within the church. Anyway, um, every single one of them is a pastor on staff. Now, my daughter is uh, the worship director of her church, and um, just a tremendous... All we can say, and I think Kathy would agree, is the Lord did it. He just literally has blown our minds that, that every single one is serving the Lord even more fervently than we are. So it's just, it's, it's, we're just so thankful. So. Thank you. Uh, I think everyone wants to be the wonderful parent, yeah. right? You want to be the wonderful parent. But... I would just say at this point in our life, what I say... Can you hear okay in the back? A little bit. Thank you. Okay. Is that the faithfulness of God is, is beyond what we can figure out. And praying for your children, because honestly, you can't do it. You can't do it by yourself. And you've given those kiddos to God and Keep reminding him, and he is at work, and and trust him. Wayne, thanks for sharing that close to the heart story and a real gut level of grace and truth being manifested by a parent keeping your daughter engaged in a relationship that she knows her dad and her mom love her 
not, not pushing her away. Oh, I'm sure she did. Uh, on, a, on a smaller, earlier scale, I would say one of the things that I, we think is important is choose your battles with your kids. They're going to do dumb stuff. You have to ask yourself, is this, is this something that's moral, or is this just them experimenting with some fad? Uh, you, don't, you don't all know Daniel. He's our youngest, but how many of you know Daniel? Okay, Yeah, a lot of you do. Okay. <laughs> he, along with Michael, great, and we love our daughter too. They're, they're all kids that we have reason to be proud of, but if we had a wild child, it would have been Daniel, and I don't, I don't Sarah looks surprised. <laughs> When he, w when he was young, in his early ad adolescent years, he had hair long and down in front of his face. He was hidden behind it. And then he decided one day to his mother, I'd like to have raggedy, and, uh, raggedy Andy colored hair. You know what that looks like. So when he was out in the soccer field, we had no trouble finding out where he was. We didn't have to look for the number. <laughs> but we decided, look, this isn't a moral issue. If he wants to have crazy looking hair, we'll just live with it. He's just going to go through this. One of Margie's mother's, uh, Margie's friends, who was a mother to some of Daniel's uh, uh, friends, she said, I'd never let my son grow hair like that. We let him do it. You don't even know him that way. You've never seen him. He's clean cut and everything. He's clothing in his right mind. <laughs> 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 he married a great, great Christian gal. He and Jessica, some of you may not know this, the grapevine, I guess, is pretty good. They have just moved to California, where he's left his position uh, as a network administrator for the county. He's now down at Loma Linda University, starting his job on Monday. Please pray for him. In the interview, they said, you know, now we're, we're a religious organization at Loma Linda University and Hospital, and we start our staff meetings with prayer. Are you going to be okay with that? <laughs> he assured him he would be. But it's a new adventure for them. We're sad to leave them. I mean, to have them leave us, but we're happy for them because it's a, it's a new adventure. I made the mistake of looking at the weather down there today. It's 69 degrees. Uh, pray for me. I'm dealing with the sin of envy right now. So <laughs> and sunshine. But we let him go through that. And when he was doing some of his nutty stuff and tried some other things that, that we wish he didn't, but he said, Mom and Dad, I never did it out of rebellion to you too. I did it because I wanted to find out what the world had to offer. And then he came through that, and he's, uh, he's a committed believer. We can sit down. He probably can quote scripture, like Michael, better than I can. And so God weathers it, but, but putting these factors together of praying, choosing your battles, making sure you're building relationships with your kids in a positive way so that there's a strong loyalty when it comes to the place where we no longer give them roots to grow. We now give them wings to fly they're more likely to be able to fly right even though they may flutter a little bit in the nest. Um, amen to all that. I, I think of what Kathy said earlier about um, causing your children to, um, to be um, you know, hopeless and, and to be angry that um, that's so important. And there have been failures in my life because uh, mainly because what I mentioned before, because of pride in my own heart. So, um. what was the question? Oh, <laughs> to raise kids. Okay. Okay. Well, it's been a long road. Um, I've homeschooled, and I say I because Dave was at work most of the time, 
If he wasn't at work, he was out mowing the lawn. (laughs) 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 Yes, so um, when the Lord called me to be a teacher, I didn't realize that it was going to be a homeschool teacher. And when our first child went to school for about a half a year and came home and I tried to re-educate her, it was like, this is not going to work. So I started teaching, and um, I, I mean, it's easy. I, who, can, who can't teach a little one how to read and write and all this stuff? But um, there was no support um, on probably either side of the family because they, they, didn't, they, they didn't want me to be different than the others. Well, that was a mistake because I've always been different than, than my siblings and all. But um, so what we, the Lord laid it upon my heart to teach them God's word. And that's exactly what we did. We did, um, and this kind of blows people's minds when I say this, but when we started homeschooling, um, we did a program that was really, really tough, and it was just way over my head. And so, yes, pray was just cry out to the Lord for wisdom. And then when we had our third child, it got a little harder. And the fourth child, it was really impossible. And the fifth one, it was like, forget this. So, but we still did it. We just, I did it, just, you know, teaching them God's word. And number six came along, and number one was, uh, I thought, well, we've got lots of help here. Well, no, it was the the opposite. (laughs) So, anyway, but... One thing that I really, really uh, was impressed upon was to teach character qualities. And those were the character qualities of the scripture. And um, it just, uh, they still remember that. And um, isn't that right, Lana? <laughs> so, um, and Michael. So um, that, that has paid off. I can see where in most cases that they have really followed the, scripture in those character qualities. We have also uh, had rebellious ones, and probably all of them were rebellious because I was rebellious as a child. And, um, but just um, still praying that those days of teaching the scripture, singing the songs, um, we studied the Sermon on the Mount and uh, when people, when I tell them that we took, them, took us eight years to go through the Sermon on the Mount, they like, wow, either something's wrong or something must be right there. But uh, our prayer is still that those who have rebelled and gone away from the Lord will come back. Um, I have two things. Um, the first is um, to be um, to model what it means to have a walk with Christ um, by showing them my walk with Christ. So um, they're going to learn. I can say all of the things. I can take them to church. But at the end of the day, church is like a couple hours a week. They're going to learn what it means to have a walk with Jesus by what I do, period. You know, like I can tell them to read their Bibles, and I do, but if they don't see me read my Bible, then I'm a hypocrite. <laughs> um, am I quick to pray, and do they see me do it? 
Um, so they're going to learn what it means to have a walk with Jesus by what they see in us. Um, and then the second kind of goes along with that. Be humble. When I blow it, I'm real with my kids. I go to them and I say, I screwed up here. Please forgive me. Um, and because that's how they learn what, you know, that they can come to the Lord and he's gracious. You know, like, so they're going to blow it. You know, am I, are we quick to pray and come before the Lord and ask for forgiveness? When I blow it, am I, am I real with my kids? You know, or am I in pride, you know, trying to make it seem like I've got it all together? I don't. So those, I, you know, I think that those are the two things that I think are most, I don't know, that I've learned. I like, yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, he gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. So the two things I have to offer are straight from the scripture here. Um, the first is, this is from Hebrews 12. This is uh, the writer of Hebrews quoting the Old Testament. He says, My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the ones he loves, and he chastises every son whom he receives. So it goes on to say, um, if he doesn't discipline us, we're illegitimate children. Basically, you're, we're, we're not operating in love. And so I would say our, our responsibility as parents is to discipline our kids in love. They need limits. They need, us. They need, they need discipline. They need to be corrected. They need to be corrected humbly, <laughs> you know, and it does help. Um, I don't want to uncover, well, I'll just say, so my daughter, Faith, I love her to death, and um, she's been struggling with truthfulness, to put it mildly. And I got super angry because she was lying to me about something that was like not that, it wasn't that bad. It was just dumb. Like, why would you even lie? You're not even getting that much trouble, <laughs> you know? Why? But it was this consistent thing. And there was like a sneakiness. And, and I was just enraged. I'm like, she's disrespecting me. And I just like, <laughs> just like pot ready to boil. And then I like, I was so angry. I had to like, Go in, the, go in my room and sulk and just, but, uh, and I realized I was thinking about it. I'd started praying about it, which is good. Finally. And, and I realized I lied to my parents. The time I jumped the minivan when I was 16, <laughs> you know, and I told my dad, I don't know what happened. I don't know why the car won't start. I mean, I lied and lied and lied. And so I'm like, man, I am no better. Then my daughter. So I went and I apologized to her for lo losing my temper. And I'm like, but hun, but I don't want this for your character. I love you. And the word says that God disciplines those he loves. And so there's going to be consequences because you've been, you've, you've lied to me. And I hope it will teach you to, to think about that. And, and that will be something that, you know, so I, I, all I'd say is, um, she has a bunch of consequences and, <laughs> they're not harmful they're, but she doesn't like it so it's but it's, it's good and, uh, but I think discipline is something that's very important I'm sure of that I was disciplined by my father and I could go into stories about that and I, I, I can think, say one thing right? yeah. say second thing. Oh, just it, that whole situation resulted in the most amazing fruit though because she and I had this conversation about the difference between um knowing the Lord for salvation and making him Lord of your life. And she prayed to have the Lord be the Lord of her life. And it was like this breaking point in her. 
and I mean, we were both crying, but it's those, those, sometimes it's those moments that the Lord really breaks through and he does something, you know, where we, where our kids realize, oh, I'm a sinner and I'm in need of salvation, especially for those kids who have been raised in the church. And they're like, well, I'm not that bad, you know, like, and I can relate to that because I was that church kid. And then you realize, oh no, I need God's grace for me personally. So. Okay, so my second thing, and I hardly agree with that, um, is about laying the foundation. All right, this is 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And Paul's talking about, in this chapter, about you know division in the church, and one person likes that one teacher, one person likes another, but I think the principle, um, the solid principle, comes through here in verse 10. It says, according to the grace God given me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds on it, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And so, obviously, that we have responsibility in our own lives to be participating, cooperating with laying that foundation. But as a as a father, as a parent, right, I'm I'm responsible for laying that foundation in my kid's life for pointing them to Jesus, for teaching them the word. And, um, you know, um, I think we started out or, or really good with kids' Bibles, and that was pretty consistent. But there was this, like, I don't know if it was just busyness or, like, a breaking point where they kind of outgrew the kids' Bibles, but then, like, the reading level isn't always the best to, to immediately jump to. So that was kind of, there was kind of a period in there where there wasn't a lot going on, but then you know, within the last year, we started reading the Bible. And so my Devo in the morning is the same as my kids. And we read one chapter because that's all my son can handle. And we talk about it. I just ask them, okay, you know, what, what, you know, what were they talking about in this chapter? What stuck out to you? And they get a chance. And sometimes they say stuff and it's just like, wow, that's really insightful. And other times they're like, nothing. <laughs> but I didn't read the Bible until I was 27 years old all the way through. And I didn't understand most of it, but but I began to see the, the power and the importance of God's word and knowing it. You can't, you can't live it and understand your sinfulness and your need for a savior. You, you know, you can't understand what the Old Testament stories are about. And there's cool stories about David and Goliath, but really that's just a picture of the greater than David, right? Christ who would slay sin and death, you know? I mean, so there's just, there's all this richness that, that, and, and importance and, and depth that, that we have an opportunity to be laying that foundation in our kids' lives. And I just think that's so important. And uh, yes, they have to decide that they're going to follow the Lord. I realize that, I realize that in spite of all my efforts, right, and all my prayers, they might still just decide that they don't want anything to do with the Lord. But the effort will not be in vain. And I will hopefully be able to stand before the Lord and say, Lord, I, I gave it my all, and uh, I trusted you. And, and so that's, that's what I would say, lay the foundation. Amen. Just really quick, because we're over time. I just want to wrap it up on this. Um, you know, out of all 42 chapters in the book of Job, this one verse is what has always stuck out to me. At the end of all this adversity he goes through, and all the discussions he has with God and God at the end basically kind of calling him out saying like you're questioning me who are you to question me 
Job says, I, I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. And there is a big difference between hearing about God and actually seeing him. And it kind of piggybacks on what Kim was saying in that it's not enough for my boys just to hear about the Lord. I want them to see the Lord. And as parents in our marriage, everything we say, every choice we make, every decision we make, you may not think this, but there is the opportunity for your kids to see Jesus in that. Because everything we're supposed to do is to the glory of who? God. It's, it's for people to see God, for us to see God, for other people to see God. So if we're making our decisions based off of what Jesus wants for us, then my hope is that my boys will be able to see Jesus in our lives. And my confidence is that if they see him, they'll see how good he is and that they need him in their lives. And so that should be kind of the foundation of anything we're doing in our marriages. If Jesus is at the center of them, everything is to his glory. And then our kids will see that and we can be confident that they'll choose him like we do. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much for just the wisdom from your word that was displayed up here today. And Lord, as we go from this place, we, we thank you for the work you've done in us, um, the things you've spoken to us. Lord, we don't want to just take these away and fool ourselves into thinking somehow these are we're living these things in our lives just because we agree with them. We, we want change. We want our, to allow our minds to be renewed by the truth of your word, as you say there in Romans 12. So those, those specific things that you've spoken to us, that you've kind of ministered to us, that are things that we need to take hold of and, and actually implement in our lives or seek you for help with or repent of in some cases, wh whatever those things are, may we go from here doing that so that we're changed, that we're further con image, conformed to the image of your son so that we can experience the, the blessing you not intend not only in our lives, but in our marriages, Lord, and really enjoy our spouses for the blessing that you intend them to be, Lord. And may this be something that we're ever seeking you for, just keeping you at the center of our lives, looking for your help for the things that we can't do in ourselves so that um, we can continue to grow as, as husbands and wives, Lord, and bless each other as you've blessed us, Lord. So we pray these things in faith because we know they're according to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.